There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 13th, 2010. I always suggest to the newcomers, at least temporarily until I get another website, to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and bookmark all the other official sites I have listed there because I am getting trouble with the Yahoo at the com site right now and they have given me problems uploading. So bookmark these alternate sites and you can always download the latest shows, hopefully, as long as I can keep going here. And while you're at it, look at the books I have for sale. Look at the CDs, the DVDs, and uh, figure out what you want. There's uh, sometimes 50 shows on the past on one single CD you can buy at a good price. And that kind of keeps me ticking over. That's all I do here is tick over in many different ways, too. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can pay by personal check. You can use an international postal money order from the post office, MoneyGram, Western Union, Cash, or PayPal. You'll see the PayPal button on all the sites. Just send the appropriate amount and a separate email with an order. If you want to order through PayPal, separate email with your name, address, and your order, and I'll get it out to you. And for those who get the disks burned and passed to them, who have given up on the computer, or they were wise enough not to bother in the first place, they play them on their CD players, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estere, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P for Peter, the number 3, E for Elizabeth, the number 4, N for Nora, and number 1, P3E4N1. And changes, really changes, is what we're going through. This is the century of change. And you can go back through the various UN uh, websites, and you'll see so many of the top people over the past few years at the United Nations, different departments, International Monetary Fund, Director General, and so on, always bring up in their speeches the coming century of change. Well, we're in it now. And it wasn't just to be a few changes in the monetary system, a few changes here or there, trade. It was to be constant change, constant change. So much so that your whole way of life uh, will, for those who are living it now, will really be turned upside down, and eventually those who are born and grow into the new system, as it's changing, will adapt and accept it all as quite normal as they go through their planned changes as well. That's how the world is run on a scientific basis. And there's nothing new in this, really. There's nothing new at all. We can go back into the 1800s and find the big foundations, so-called philanthropies, generally staffed by aristocrats from all over Europe and the wealthiest magnates of their day, uh, having meetings about a planned, organized society. And then once Darwinism came in to kick off the no rights, no wrongs idea, tossed all religions out the window, which at least had given some sort of guide 
line to the public, then there's nothing to stop them. That's why they went through the laissez-faire capitalist uh, period where they put children and women down the mines if the husband couldn't work. There's no welfare in those days, so the whole family had to take his place until he could get back to work. And that was okay in those days. That was, that was a fair profit by using all means possible. We see the same thing in China today. It doesn't bother us in the West that children are locked up in factories because they say, well, you see, China's coming through their industrial revolution later. No, China was set up by the West to take over from the old squalid factories that we had here. Back with more after these messages. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, just just looking at things overall, and sometimes you have to live long enough to, to really catch on to what's happening. Some catch on very young in life, some simply rebel against what they see as some big con going on somewhere, generally it's everything. Uh, many turn to drugs to try to quieten their brain, others to booze, and or both, and then they end up. Uh, is a real mess. Some come through that phase, a few come through that phase, and they manage to really get into what's what's really going on by getting away from the mainstream primarily and going into those old dusty books that they they had in places they used to call libraries before they tossed them. And it's interesting, even in the 80s and 90s, I noticed in Canada and elsewhere in the world, libraries were dumping vast hordes of books into garbage dumps. And people who would live in countries could always go to these garbage dumps and see them coming in. Thousands and thousands of books with uh, lots of histories, which of course are much different than the histories that have been rewritten for today. Uh, And a lot thicker books too, compared to these little magazine-type things they call books as well today. So the history has always been covered up as we go through uh, generation by generation, and that's something that most people really miss out on. Another interesting part of uh, understanding what the big picture is, is when you're going through all of this, you get waylaid into different traps. I always liken waking up to coming out of a tunnel from underground and into a field and at the end of the tunnel, you see the field, you see the forest across the, the field that you want to get into. And on the way to the forest, there's all these signs saying this way, uh, or I've got it, or here's the answer. And you go round in loops and loops and loops. For the young, they put out so much to do with the occult, which is meant to really take them into endless loops, because your imagination is very good when you're young. When you're older, you're a bit jaded, so it doesn't work so well. But when you're young, anything seems possible in a sense. And we also have some truths to, to the occult, meaning that some organizations were started up with fronts. Everything is a front for everything. And in the past, a lot of gentlemen's clubs, as they called it, especially in the 1700s, and 1800s, um, also had these side lodges, as they called them, where they'd have their riotous parties, especially the French ones. 
Because you see, those who joined them were generally in those days aristocrats themselves and the nobility, and they were jaded, bored stiff, and sex, drugs, and and they didn't have rock and roll then, but everything else made up for it. So they dressed up in fancy dress and did the eyes wide shut type of idea. But however, that's come down to the present time, and it still fascinates people thinking they're, they're members of uh, various cults or groups. In a sense, it's true. Any Any belief system that starts off is always called a cult at the beginning. Everyone. Even all the mainstream ones all began as cults. But you can also take it further and go into the real cults, because the real cults are to do with, with beliefs even in science, such as Darwinism. When you look at Darwinism, you can't take it and be a scientist today or go and study science today in university. You can't simply take Darwinism and leave it at that. You've got to accept all of this religious theory that goes with it, which is a form of secular humanism. And it's a secular humanism where you have moral relativity. Nothing's really right or really wrong. It's Kabbalistic, in a sense, which is true. It's Kabbalistic in that... uh, for whatever happens that seems unfortunate to one group of people over there will benefit these other people over here. And Darwin himself went through a lot of this to talk about the fact that most people on earth are really part of nature and all strata, that's classes, and that the real function of the classes, the lower classes, was to, today's terminology, I would say, we're, we're the rocket stages to put the elite up into space, you might see, to make them evolve to the top. And he gave examples of how, uh, before a tree can grow in a certain part of the earth, as the microbes have to come in, aerate that soil, different bacteria and so on move in, different plants move in, die, leaving minerals behind, and then that seed for the tree can come in and it will grow. That's how he likens society. He gave that as the example. And that's drummed in to people who go into science today, that there's nothing but science, and therefore whatever they decide in academia at the top, being all of the intelligentsia, as they like to call themselves, they have the right to do so over the lessers. And out of that also came various philosophies about global sciences and socialism and the planned society and the scientifically planned society with a scientific elite running the show. That's what Lord Bertrand Russell was always on about. He belonged to think tanks that were planning not just a good part of the 20th century and his lifetime, but the century we're in today. In fact, he was the first guy in Britain be given a royal charter to break all the rules against uh, using children uh, in experiments. And even when Pavlov was doing it, in fact, and he was promoting intergenerational sex in these experimental schools with the intention to see if they could break the bonding that would occur, if they could separate the sexual act from uh, mental uh, bonding, emotional bonding, because they didn't want families in the future for their planned society. The state was to be all-powerful, therefore the family had to be annihilated. And from the 70s onwards, 1970s onwards, we saw this heavy trend, and again the drum beat through the media as they pushed and pushed for the new traditional families. We've got, I think we're in the Mark IV now, Mark IV or Mark V traditional family, I've, I've lost count, but they keep pushing the same drum beat to, to show you the old one is dead. 
and they have nothing really in their way. When government wants to talk down to you, there's no family around you to stand up. You won't have any... By the way, all your friends on Twitter won't stand up for you either. You know, But when government comes for you, there's no one to stand up on your behalf and speak for you or even give you moral support. That's what government always wanted. And that's why George Orwell gave you that impression in his book 1984. Government, big brother, really talked right to you. There was no one else there around you, just you. So you're living through a planned society and a, and a world of changes, the century of change where you'll have constant changes. Also, scientists have come out at the top again and talked about what some of these changes will be for the average person, and it's a constant training. And as you're getting trained to the next step, they're going, they start the training. When you're finishing the, the, the training of the next step, they're actually starting the training of the step beyond that at the same time to overlap with it. When I first read this, it was in a book written by, I think they called it the Red Bishop or Red Archbishop of Canterbury, who was a far-left socialist in the 1940s. He, and in the 50s, he was involved with the United Nations. He put a book out about changes. And he was so vague because he was talking to those in the inner circle, obviously, those who were in the various institutions, such as the Royal Institute of International Affairs, but to the outsider, it seemed though he was just talking about constant upgrading of the public through some kind of um, ongoing education, like night school. That's, that's how you would think of it. It wasn't until the end of the book you realized, no, he's literally talking about using scientific techniques to constantly upgrade the average individual from their birth to their death to suit the needs of those who rule. Constantly. No breathing space. In many ways, this was introduced even in the 70s and 80s when they started to take out the employment of the West and the factories of the West and put them in China. And they, caught, they talked about, well, the, the days of the lifelong job is over. You'll need two or three jobs in the future just to survive and pay your rent. And that got hammered like a drumbeat too for a few years. And sure enough, that's what came into being. Uh, most folk don't even know today out there in the world. They don't know that every government through the United Nations signed and the World Bank signed the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, which gave permission for, your, for all your domestic employment and factories to go overseas to China. Not only that, we paid for them. The taxpayers paid for the uprooting of the companies, the building of their new plants in China and the transportation, and we also guaranteed their losses for the first 10 years. What a deal. And don't think for a minute that you're the bosses who run your country, and I'm not talking about these little prime ministers and, and uh, presidents, the front men they give you. I'm talking about the, the real bosses that run your country and your economics. Don't think that for a minute... They, they would say, okay, we've done that. What will happen now? Oh, my God, we've nothing to replace it with. Of course they knew what was coming. They knew what was coming now. Not only knew what was coming, they would increment the changes in, in phases. And that's what we're living through today. Remember, part of this big world plan set up long ago was to set up uh, a world bank. A world bank. It is there. There is a world bank. 
The World Bank is comprised of the 12 banking families that something somewhere in some ancient holy book we haven't seen yet gave them permission to be the international money lenders because they don't actually lend gold or anything to any countries anymore. What on earth do they lend? They lend permission to central banks to print up money. That's what they do. But they demand payment back and all that with their interest in real goods or land or minerals or gold or whatever. And that's how it's run. And and we're taught to think that this is somehow quite normal. As I say, I haven't found a book yet that they gave permission for these 12 banking families to be at the top of the tree. Since nations all had the right, if they wanted to, to run their own money, own money system and have no debt whatsoever. Back after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Talking about the changes, this is the the time for changes and how that slogan was used during Obama's election. Of course, he didn't dream it up, his marketers did and those who handle him uh, dreamed it up for him. He never explained what these changes were going to be and I'm sure a lot of people today kind of terrified now that they see these changes come to place. And they'll be more terrified when they see uh, the rest of it unroll. But um, this is the time for change, century of change. All academia was using it. And academia runs on big grants, apart from the money from uh, grants from governments too. They get big grants from the so-called philanthropies, what Carol Quigley called the parallel government that sit on trillions of dollars and mandate how the world should really be run by dishing out their cash and running thousands of non-governmental organizations in the Soviet fashion. That's how the Soviet fashion ran, supposedly on paper, is that it was a rule by a council, and ruled by many councils, that's what the word Soviet means, and the non-governmental organizations existed in the Soviet Union, the difference being that the Politburo appointed the leaders, and then they would speak on behalf of the people who followed them. And then they would take all their demands to government, and government would say, that's that's quite a coincidence, we just happen to have this drafted up here, and you ask for it, we're so happy to sign it. And that's how the cozy arrangement really worked. And it's just the same in the Western world. We see all this coming up, stuff coming up about carbon taxes, and there's thousands of NGO groups in the Western world, well-funded by the same foundations that just happen to lobby government when government's talking seriously and drafting up stuff to deal with all the carbon problems that is a lot of hot air, to be honest with you. But it doesn't matter. For most folk, they'll speak it into existence by repetition, and that will become the new belief doesn't matter if the king has no clothes. Most people only go with other people's opinions. And if they're all admiring the king, uh, then then uh, they won't listen to the little voice that says, but the guy's naked. Because most folk cannot think for themselves. They are group. They're part of the group mentality, you see. They want to be accepted. It takes a lot not to be accepted by the group. They will turn on you. Society you know, has been a collector for an awful, awful long time. 
different phases of it in different countries. And we tend to forget that, that uh, in ancient times man was a collective as well. Even the nomads were collectives. They all traveled in tribes. And it wasn't really until literature came out, and even later still, the literature was available to the general public, which is very recently really, that uh, the idea of individuality came to the fore. And we've had battles between the group, the mass, and individuality ever since. We're on the road right now of crushing individuality. Those who rule prefer sameness. Sameness is very safe. Very, very safe. And yet they leave no, they leave no chances to those who, who might not want to live in the sameness of others. That's why you're all going through the monitoring stuff on a daily basis with your own tax money forming a prison. It's already formed an information prison and a tracking prison to make sure that you all stay in the sameness. That's really what it's for. And you will have visits probably within the next 10 years if your routines and your patterns change and you're not chatting to your usual clusters, as they call them, as they track you, and uh, they want to know what's wrong, what's up with you. They want to get you back on track and submerged back into the sameness again where you're predictable. Most folk don't go through life thinking any of this at all. I'm sure you've all experienced it as you try to impart some knowledge and wisdom to those around you, and they look upon you as though you're some kind of weirdo, and they give you that fidgety look as their eyes look left and right and left and right and nod at you, and you know they're dying to get away, or, or they stand there with the lobster eyes because the data has been put against their hard drive in their brain, and what you're telling them doesn't compute. There's no data to verify what you're saying, so they're a dead loss as to how to answer. Uh, people are very much like computers. So we're at the age now, we're in the age where individuality truly is being drowned. It's an, they've decided it's an unsafe thing to have in a world society. And who decided that? Well, the United Nations uh, decided that. They said in one of their own mandates that the greatest en- uh, enemy to peace in the world, you can understand they're talking about the peace of those who already rule it, you understand. The greatest enemy of peace was the individual. And they mean it. Matsi Tung said the same thing. He said, he said, uh, he wasn't afraid of armies. Uh, and he was a guy who also said that power came from the barrel of a gun. But his big statement was even more powerful. He said, uh, I'm more afraid of someone, someone with an idea. That's what he was afraid of. Ideas catch on down through the history. You see it in all your religions. The idea caught on from one fella to the next. And people for thousands of years that lived their lives according to all the stuff they built, they built on top of the ideas. What you're going through is a scientific idea, as I say, where we're all basically animals. The world uh, Congress is to do with wildlife have all declared the same thing. In fact, they've all said through Maurice Strong and all the front men, who again work at the United Nations, that man is actually not even got the rights or he's not the equivalent of all the lesser animals. Except his own kind, of course, who are more evolved back after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the changes we're going through, big changes, a lot more to come, in fact perpetual changes until we'll supposedly beg for them to stop. That's supposedly how bad it will become. And H.G. Wells, who was one of the propagandists for the Fabian Society and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the the parallel government, talked about that, that uh, people would beg them to stop, eventually stop the changes. It would be too much for them. That's where they hope to get us all, always on edge. When you have a herd stampeding and you know how to guide the herd, you can take them an awful long distance without letting them calm down. An awful long distance. Whereas if they weren't so neurotic and you weren't constantly frightening them, they they might run um, a half mile, a mile and stop again and graze. But no, you keep them running because you're pushing them in a certain direction. You're breaking up the fabric of society and people even go crazy as they're going through these massive changes. A lot of what's taken for granted today, like drugging your children as a norm, really, in a sense, is crazy too. But we accept it now as normal because we've gone through these massive changes, the sudden, sudden attention deficit disorders and so on, and hyper, just out of the blue. And it's all because they keep making the, the psychiatric uh, definitions thicker in their, in their manual, in their book big money for pharma, the drug society ties right in exactly with Bertrand Russell and others talking about using pharma along with for behavior management of the general public. And they're doing it. We're seeing it all happen. A lot of people don't really understand uh, because they, they, they get the title, the original title stuck in their head um, from the big players when they announce a project and if it's not that exact title is used when they see it happening in real life, they won't equate it. They can't put two and two together. It's the same thing happening under a different name. What's happening in the U.S. right now uh, and Canada and the shake-up of the, the dollar is happening in Europe at the same time with the shake-up of the euro and the British pound and so on. They use different names for these particular shake-ups, but it's all under the international monetary system that runs the world. What is the international monetary system from the, the IMF? The IMF is one of these institutions that were set up, a private institution that runs elected governments. Something doesn't jive here. And they get money from all these governments. And they are a, a private bank. Why would the governments be giving money to a private bank that then oversees them? and is unaccountable to them, and is a big boss, and is unelected by the peoples. What it tells you, obviously, there's never been any real democracy. Quigley equated this to a new type of feudalism, and that's exactly what it is. It's a feudalistic system. They weren't going to leave anything to democracy from the very beginning. Democracy helped rebellions stop forming every four or five years. That's why they give you elections every four or five years. Because people do not vote in new parties, they're so sick of the last ones, they vote them out. That's what happens. You know that. You've lived long enough. 
And then you only get hit with the next part of the agenda because there are no parties that all work for the same world agenda. They take their, their orders from the same bosses. And the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, was set up to be exactly that. The first step, they said, through the Royal Institute of International Affairs was to set up central banks in each country. And these central banks would be private banks. And then supposedly would take control in the, of the economies of the countries. Then when the next phase came, of course, they would cause the upsets and upheavals. They'd give an even bigger bank to look after those central banks, all staffed by the same people who knew each other and often related to each other. That's what's happening right now. There's an article that was from the International Monetary Fund from their own website, Zurich, May 11th, 2010. International Monetary System, that was their topic of conversation. And it was uh, uh, Mr. Dominique Strauss-Kahn was his, one of the speakers. And he starts off being his usual poly eight and their ten course lunches and stuff and drunk the best wine and nodded to each other for the other successes of getting this far. And he goes on thanking them all for attending and all that stuff, the polite stuff that they go through. And he thanks Philip Hildebrand and the Swiss National Bank for graciously hosting them. And this is how he heads off his topic. Now, where have you heard this before? From Hillary Clinton. You had it from, I think, it was it, was it Kerry? It was one of these guys from the Council on Foreign Relations in the States when the towers went down. Crisis is an opportunity. Crisis is an opportunity. Many of you have spoken of the need to strengthen the system and increase its resilience to recurrent crisis, and current events only add intensity to this sentiment. What he's telling you, what he's telling you is this is all planned. It's all planned, folks. These guys are happy with with, with the crisis. It's an opportunity. International bankers, by the way, when you see see that stock market plummet uh, for maybe an hour or something, and then suddenly steady again, like a blip. Someone just made a killing of billions of dollars. That's how, that's how they make their opportunities. So he goes on about the, the, the new system and so on and so on and so on. But what is the real goal? You have to really scour around to find it. And you find that they're after all the central banks to go under the European Bank for Europe. But, see, they also want one for the Americas. And it's an article here. It says, EU bid to rule the UK banks. And that's from the Independence Party in Britain, May the 11th. British plans to improve the banking industry in the aftermath of the financial crisis could be in tatters as the economic union bureaucrats attempt to char- take charge over all banks operating in the UK. So what they're going to do is set up uh, uh, not, I've already got it set up. Uh, the European Central Bank, that's a big daddy of central bank banks that overshadow all the national central banks. But don't kid yourself. It says national, it's not yours anyway. Your, your central bank was never yours. It's putting it all under one system. That's what it's for. That's what most of this crisis right now is all about, to be honest with you. Because he who rules the gold and owns the gold rules the world. Doesn't have to be gold either. Blips are good enough in the stock market. That's what these change digits, ones and zeros. In seconds, they make billions. 
And we, in our lives, and everything that we have to buy goes up in price and up in price, and taxes go up and all the rest of it. Quite something. There's Germany. Here's Germany too. And this is from the Telegraph. Germany might have to foot the entire Euro aid bill. This is what they're bitching about over there. Germany's opposition social democrats said on Tuesday they had not decided where to support a European rescue package for the euro and warned the country could end up footing the entire cost of the bill because what they're claiming is Britain is just is, is in worse shape than Greece. And this is hyping up the fear. What does the fear do? Was well, it's hyped up, well, God, to do something, and forward comes Dominique Strauss-Kahn, you see, who says crisis is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get their agenda through. This is all pre-planned. Here's an article here too, and it's from Holland. Crisis coerces the EU members into ever closer union, 10th of May 2010. By extending Brussels supervision over states' budgets, that's nations of Europe, states, and expanding the central bank's charter, the EU has made an historical step towards a centralized budgetary policy. So once you have a centralized bank over all your national centralized banks, you see they're then making all your budgetary policy. And you can't do your own bookkeeping at home anymore. The central foreign offshore bank does it all for you. They're now in charge of running the entire economy, which also means the entire spending from your governments down through society, they're now in charge of it all. That's what this is about. There's many ways and many arms to the world government. Many, many ways. Quite fascinating. Quite fascinating indeed. And when they're doing that, of course... We have the World Health Organization, which is really the World Death Organization, because their real job is to cull back the populations of the planet. You've got to go in your history. If you go into your histories and their own sites, in fact, and read, dig through, you'll find the statements by them. Too many people, too many people, got to sterilize, bring down the populations. I call it Doctor Who, W-H-O. And this article here uh, is from Fox News, May the 10th. World Health Organization moving ahead on billions of dollars in Internet and other taxes. Now, who elected them? Well, guess what? Nobody. It's like the World Bank. Nobody elected them. Nobody elects anybody in any democratic country to the United Nations. That's never been up to the plebs at the bottom to have anything to do with who gets to the, to the United Nations and how it operates, and how it runs, and what its mandates are. It's outside of our hands. It was set up by the CFR and Royal Institute of International Affairs, with the help of the big banking boys, to bring in all of this stuff, including your financial chaos, and the reorganizing of it all. It was brought in by the same bunch. So here they are. The World Health Organization's movement had full speed with a controversial plan to impose billions of dollars in global consumer taxes on such things as internet activity and everyday financial transactions like paying bills online. While its spending soars and its own financial house is in disarray. Oh, they always tell us that. It's in disarray. The World Health Organization, the United Nations Public Health Arm, 
a public death arm, is moving at full speed ahead with a controversial plan to impose global consumer taxes on such things as internet activity and everyday financial transactions like paying bills online. You get in the picture about centralized World Bank, the World Bank, folks? Because you know it's all gone cashless, and most folk are already cashless, and most folk are already doing all the banking on the net. And what's happening here, for those who are hard of thinking? Well, the World Health Organization, the United Nations Public Health Arm, moving full speed ahead with a controversial plan to impose global consumer taxes on such things as internet activity, etc., etc., and even financial transactions. They're going to skim money off that. And all this time you're thinking it's your big servers are going to cut you off or whatever. Or it's your own government that's going to cut your access to the net. No, no, no. It's the world system. It's the, the globalists, the United Nations, who will be in charge of all. It was set up to be a form of global government. Unelected. It's amazing, too, the UN's always shouting when they want to send NATO in to, to standardize a country and get them into central banking Countries generally that have no data at all when they start. Um, it's amazing that the UN always says the word, we're going in because we've got to teach them democracy. There's nothing democratic about the UN. It is not a democratic organization. And it's a front for the bankers. And it's a front for Big Pharma. As the WHO is their main proponent for pushing their drugs and their deadly inoculations. And they work with Bill Gates and all these guys, the big philanthropists that say they can use vaccines to bring the population down. Meanwhile, people petition their own governments thinking they're real. And, uh, and they fax their congressmen and all the rest of it, thinking, yep, these guys are real and they still have a nation at home. Here's an article here, and it's BBC. The European Commission wants the EU countries to coordinate plans for national budgets. See, their central bank now that they've set up for the EU Parliament is going to run every country's budget and books. The European Commission wants the EU countries to coordinate plans for national budgets in a move to strengthen financial cooperation. It involves submitting budgets to the EU for a peer review, possibly before they go to national parliaments. So you're not national, you're not even in charge of anything anymore, or even your domestic spending. That includes welfare, by the way, and health care and everything else. I hope you understand what I'm talking about here. This is a system Obama brought wants to bring into the U.S. And the U.S., Canada and Mexico have signed four agreements, one coming up, the fifth and last one, for total integration into the same system. And then they'll have some super bank built, if it's not already there, to be the super central bank of the Americas over the U.S.'s one and the farce they call Canada's one. Canada's one's not even in the phone book. It's just a room where they meet to discuss borrowing money from the foreign moneylenders. That's what the Bank of Canada is. So some reports suggested the proposal would involve just the 16 countries using the euro currency, though this has not been made clear. Commission said its aim was to help prevent another EU financial crisis. <laughs> but the move controversial as it would mean encroaching on national sovereignty or sovereign territory was immediately criticised by Sweden's Prime Minister. The EC statement said the Commission 
proposes to reinforce decisively, decisively, right? The economic governance, governance, not meant, but governance, and the European Union, which has 27 members. An early peer review of fiscal policies would help shape a fiscal stance for the EU and the euro as a whole. Euro countries should begin coordinating preparations for national budgets and economic forums. Member states would benefit from early coordination at European level as they prepare their national budgets and national reform programs, the statement said. And they want deeper surveillance into all the spending at homes. Well, you see, that traditionally is the job of the International Monetary Fund who come in. Uh, they change their black hats to white hats as they come in as the rescuers and then they slash and burn all your, all your domestic social policies at home to make sure the bankers get their cash back. You see, that's who they work for. And an interesting article here, uh, it's from the Jewish World Review. I don't see anything in any other countries talking about this. Because it ties in with Obama's health care plan and everything else. It's already happening in Britain. May the 11th, 2010. A duty to die, question mark, by Thomas Sowell. One of the many fashionable notions that have caught on among some of the intelligentsia is that all people have a duty to die rather than become a burden to others. Healthcare crisis. Healthcare crisis, folks. Cutbacks. Millions of pounds in Britain to be cut and slashed by the IMF. It's already happening. Thousands of nursing staff on the on the, uh, welfare. This is more than just an idea discussed around a seminar, a seminar table. Already the government-run medical system in Britain is restricting what medications or treatments it will authorise for the elderly. And it seems it's certain that similar costs... Our attempts to cut these runaway costs will lead to similar processes when America medical care is taken over by the government. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Now some people will like, like upbeat shows and they'll even say, leave us with some hope, you know. What they're really saying is, leave us with the impression that things won't get too bad. I want to live my life without too many upsets. I'm quite comfy the way I am. Just don't let it get any worse. That's what they want to hear. You don't know your enemy until you've really gone through hell and seen him face to face. It's only then that any ideas come. The old ways don't work. They never did work. Denial never helped anybody except those that want to keep you in denial. That's why we're in such a mess today. And that's why these big bankers or banksters have taken over the entire planet through a hundred odd years war. And through their CFR and their Royal Institute of International Relations. And getting back to this Jewish World Review, talking about one of the fashionable trends that are coming in. Because you see, everything in this new system is based on economics, including your life. See, as I said at the start of this show, in moral relativity and Darwinism, it gave them the ammunition they needed to devaluate, devalue completely the human life itself. That's what you get when, it, when you bring in moral relativity and secular humanism and teach it in the schools. 
Well, I don't care, you know, uh, what's happening over there. If they're dying, it's their fault. Moral relativity. Everyone's disconnected, no compassion for others. No anger, it's what's happening to others either. That's what they wanted. That's what they got. See that lovely Swiss uh, terminal place where they exit you over there for those who want euthanasia, being a big dealer of it? They've found hundreds and hundreds of the urns now dumped in a lake in Switzerland. They're in the process of bringing them up. But who's going to object about, oh, so what if they dump the ashes or the urns in a lake? So what? They're dead anyway. Why not use the bodies and hang them on wires and we'll go and Google at them with their eyes and watch these waxed corpses, these plasticized corpses from China. Call it art. You can't save a sick society, folks. You can't save it at all. And if you're not objected to, if you're, if you're upset and objectionable about this, you can't even save yourself. Back to the World Review. So this, the fashionable idea is that they have had people, older folk have a duty to die because it's a new economics. More than just an idea discussed around the table already that a government-run medical system in Britain is restricting what medications or treatments it will authorize for the elderly. It's been doing that for quite a few years now. Moreover, it seems almost certain that similar attempts to contain runaway costs will lead to similar policies when American Medicare is taken over by the government. You see, doctors become agents of the government political policies then and economic policies. Make no mistake about it, letting old people die is a lot cheaper than spending the kind of money required to keep them alive and well. If a government-run medical system is going to save any serious amount of money, it is almost certain to do so by sacrificing the elderly. That's a fact, folks. That's happening. It's been happening in other countries before, before it's hitting here. There was a time, fortunately, not long past, when some desperately poor societies had to abandon all people to their fate because there was just not enough margin for everyone to survive. Well, guess what, folks? In Britain, they, they might save you. They might save your life, depending on what rank in the social order of your community you happen to be standing in. Welcome to the Brave New World, folks. Now you can go back and play. From Hamish myself from Care Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.